This is the intersection. The intersection. This is the Intersection Podcast, recorded Monday the 5th of June 2017. Episode 17, HomePod and Chill. The Intersection Podcast is only made possible through the support of its listeners and sponsors. If you have a product or service that you feel may appeal to our audience, please contact sponsor at intersectioncast.com. Hello and welcome to The Intersection, the podcast that bridges together the worlds of tech and pop culture. My name is Jonathan Wildman and I bring you a tech special today, uh, just bringing you uh, my impressions of Apple's WWDC keynote. The Worldwide Developers Conference kicked off today in San Jose, Silicon Valley, California. And um, it was uh, an interesting keynote. It started off a bit slow, um, but there was some treats and was some surprises. These things are always very exciting because we get to see the future of Mac OS, TV OS, Watch OS and iOS. So we get to see some of the new features coming to us, those invested in the Apple ecosystem. We don't normally get to see any new hardware, so you're going to have to wait till the autumn to catch a glimpse of the new iPhone. However, there was an exception this year and some hardware hardware announcements were made. Um, so what I will do is I'm going to go through um, the, the keynote, um, which was led by Apple CEO Tim Cook, and I'm going to go through some of the main the main features, some of the main things that Apple mentioned. Um, like I said, the WWDC is a developer's conference, so the core audience isn't necessarily consumers at home. It's developers, you know, the people who develop and make apps. Um, obviously, the media are there as well, and no doubt this will be reported throughout the mainstream media. Um, what normally happens, though, with the keynote, Apple only have a limited amount of time. Normally, these keynotes go on for about two hours, but this one in particular was was was, was quite long. This one was almost three hours long. Um, and what Apple tend to do is go through the, um, the, the main features of their upcoming um, operating system, revisions to the operating systems and, and, and services. And obviously, we find out sort of the finer detail you know, of, of what, what um, new APIs there are for developers and what features there are, the things that didn't, they didn't have time to mention and we find that out in the days to follow because there is normally a number of um, workshops and conferences uh, for developers to attend. But like I said, without further ado, let's go through what uh, was revealed to us. So um, Tim Cook uh, uh, kicked off the uh, the keynote, uh, beginning by uh, discussing the Apple TV, albeit very briefly. Um, he promised that we would hear a lot more about tvOS later on in the year. Um, as you know, there's been a lot of criticism about the Apple TV not fulfilling its potential. I mean, everything is there. It's 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 quite a it's a small, compact, and fairly powerful uh, streaming TV device. Sure, it doesn't support 4K video um, but it does have its own app store and for some reason developers haven't really been um, inspired to create interesting apps and we've we've seen a lot of um, brochureware so to speak we've seen a lot of silly things like um, 
you know, a TripAdvisor. So you, on your TV screen, you can flick through the various uh, photos of hotels and resorts. And it's, it's nothing, it's not really pushing the, um, the format of a smart TV or a smart TV operating system very well. Um, so I've been quite disappointed with the way developers have failed to embrace the Apple TV, but maybe that's because Apple haven't really um, led from the top. You know, they haven't really... Um, shown us um or, or inspired us in, in into doing into doing things um with with that particular platform interesting things with that particular platform and apple do seem to be late to the game um you have other devices out there you have your rokus you have your amazon fire tvs you have your android tv boxes which um seem to do a lot more particularly uh, from the software point of view um and one of the criticisms of the apple tv was that um a lot of uh, services were missing namely amazon prime video was missing now a lot of people are members of amazon prime service and one of the perks of being an amazon prime member is being signed up to amazon prime video where you have access access to various um films and tv shows uh, free of charge um you can also rent out um more more sort of newly released movies for a small fee um, and there are original series on um, Amazon video for example the um, um, of course the Grand Tour that's what it's called the Grand Tour with the uh, the Top Gear guys um, so a lot of people disappointed that that app wasn't available on Apple TV and the reason why was um, Amazon had a bit of a dispute with Apple I believe Apple take 30% cut of all revenue generated uh, by apps featured um, on uh, listed on their on their app store marketplace, and Amazon was unhappy about that because when you consider the um, the price of um, rentals of new movies and things like that, Amazon you know we would be losing quite a chunk of money. Um, but obviously, something has happened to uh, change this because. Um, Amazon was so unhappy that they decided to ban selling the Apple TV from their online stores. So basically they, they put a block on it. You couldn't get an Apple TV from Amazon. That has now changed. And Tim Cook today announced that Amazon Prime Video um, is uh, now available on the Apple TV. Um, and I would assume then that also means that the Apple TV would, would now be available to purchase on Amazon. Now, Amazon is probably one of the most popular um you know, web, web retailers, um, you know, on, on the internet, basically. And so the Apple TV being excluded from um, Amazon is hugely significant and, and, and was quite a disadvantage to Apple. So this, this, this deal probably works out for both parties. I'm not sure whether Apple have sort of reduced the fee for Amazon. We don't get to hear those details. But nonetheless, Tim Cook confirmed that Amazon Prime Video is headed to Apple TV. Next on the agenda was uh, watchOS 4. So uh, we're on the fourth uh, version of Apple's um, operating system for its smartwatch, the Apple Watch. Now, this was uh, quite a disappointing part of the keynote, actually, because it doesn't seem like watchOS 4 is bringing much more to the table. Immediately, Apple launched and, and launched into um, revealing that uh, various new watch faces will be available, and those were pretty disappointing. I mean, just to name some of them, one was a Siri watch face, which is basically it, it, you know you've got the time on your on your watch face, and you have a series of alerts. 
as you you know as, as you would do, you know you get alerts in notification center um on an iphone it, it looks like that essentially but it uses siri intelligence to um give you useful and contextual information for example what the traffic is like like where you are um when your next appointment is um the, you know you can tap on that and it can give you directions to your next appointment um a, a lot of information like that and um it it does use siri intelligence and, and and it does sort of interact with your your diary your schedule your reminders um like i said traffic information um information to do with weather and climate uh, sunset times things like that um but it's just a long list of notifications and it was is not particularly particularly attractive watch face um this the next what new watch face they revealed was a kaleidoscope watch face which essentially um warps an image of your choosing or a random image to give you a an attractive um kaleidoscopic image um, which which acts as the face of the watch and it's an analog watch face um not much else to that one and the next one is um a follow-up to their disney watch faces so we've had mickey mouse uh we've had Minnie mouse who's next you think goofy donald duck no it's not it's the trio from toy story it's woody buzz lightyear and jesse um Apple seemed really enthusiastic to announce this particular watch face, these particular watch faces, but the um, the audience, to be fair, didn't seem too impressed. Um, other than that, there wasn't much else for watchOS 4. I mean, we had some announcements about new um, sort of monthly activity challenges to help you complete those rings uh, when you, you know, just to keep you active. Um, we've heard about some enhancements to the workout app, particularly to do with uh swimming when you're when you're doing a swimming workout you it can automatically detect when you're resting um and and you can easily um you know when you're when you're running a workout on your watch you can sort of flick across and launch um, different types of workouts from within the same screen so if you're doing cycling one minute and then doing jogging the next it's easier to keep track of that and just some ui um, improvements for um apple for the music app on on apple watch um which basically you know you know the album art looks better um you get images on the playlist that sort of thing um you know you can now access your playlist i wouldn't i didn't think you could do that before um and that's it and and um what else is there just other little things like um the dock um there is now a vertical dock as well as um horizontal dock um in in uh, watch os and there is a flashlight function um in control center which essentially just um you know it flashes your screen on and off rapidly and um you know bright light generates bright light and it's good i guess for you when you're in darkness that is essentially it there is nothing much to watch os4 at all it was very uninspired update um perhaps um we're going to get a new apple watch at some point maybe we will a brand new you know designed apple watch and perhaps that will offer us some more exciting but exclusive new features i don't know but certainly at the moment watch os4 doesn't look that great uh, but then again it is a free update so um, we can't we can't really complain too much moving on after that is the mac now the mac os now um basically apple announced the next version of the mac os which normally receives annual updates we are currently on mac os sierra now we're going to have mac os high sierra 
and um hi sierra again just just sort of not the tweaks aren't too radical to be quite honest obviously we're going to have some performance um up, upgrades um but in terms of um applications um there are a few features to um that of note um the mail app uh, has has a full split screen view um there is basically a lot of machine learning going on which is basically artificial intelligence to um identify you know, trackers and and cross-site scripting and this is all to do with protecting you on when you, your experience when you're browsing the web um to keep you away from malicious websites and potentially malware and protecting your privacy basically um there's a useful feature that was announced for safari actually which is autoplay blocking which is great because it detects websites that autoplay video and audio and it will block that um by default and unless you um you elect to have that uh video or audio played um now we all know that we, we can go on the website we could be reading in in, you know, in peace and quiet and all of a sudden we get an intrusive video advertising some movie some game or something like that this is a most welcome feature there has been some improvements to the photos app and this is mainly to do with editing tools and, and enhancements uh, enhancement tools for the photos and to do with um, organizing your photos again i haven't i've just saw what they sort of whizzed through in the conference i haven't had the hands on this yet um but um anything to help us better organize our photos would be great because the the photos app as in its current incarnation on mac os sierra is a mess um apple's um file sift system their new file system which is apfs um, this is going to now be the primary um, file system for the Mac, Mac OS. And this was introduced quite stealthily on the iPhone and iPad with the recent update of iOS. And, um, you know, no one's noticed, so that's good. But basically, the, the main advantage with this is it, it handles um, solid state storage a lot better. And you, you'll see an improvement if you have a solid state drive. Um, if you have a MacBook, chances are you have a solid state drive. Um, you'll see an improvement in the speeds in which you can access your files. Now, there were a number of improvements with um, Mac OS, and I, I, I won't go into too much detail, um, mainly to do with um, graphics, um, uh, graphics optimizations and various APIs. Um, we, you know, we're going to see um, Mac OS now is optimized um, for, to support virtual reality. So they had a quite a, a neat demo with um, um, John Knoll from um, Lucasfilm, who uh, demoed um, well, it was a VR demo of of um, Darth Vader in in the Star Wars environment. It was the planet Mustafa for those who care, and um, so they're really going all out with VR support in um, the next version of Mac OS, and um, basically that that was it i mean I'm, I'm i'm whizzing through it um you know i will put a link in the show notes to the full conference i don't want to go on too much about um graphics optimization and things like that i'm more interested in um new hardware and services and so we this leads us basically um to the uh, first announcement of new hardware hardware which is basically improved imax 
So the iMac form factor has remained the same, but um, the new iMacs are a lot faster. Um, they have Intel Iris Plus graphics, 80% um, faster than the previous generation, apparently. Um, you're going to now find two Thunderbolt 3 ports at the back, which is great uh, for high-speed data transfer. Um, the Fusion Drive, uh, which is the hybrid um, solid-state and standard um, hard drive found in, in, in all of the high-end iMacs is now as standard and they're now being included in all iMacs. And um, basically the RAM can be increased. And now, now the iMacs support up to 32 gigabytes of RAM on the smaller model, which is the 21.5 inch and up to 64 gigabytes of RAM on the 27 inch. And of course the processor has been upgraded. They now use Intel Cable 8 processors. So those are the new iMacs. Um, now the new iMac prices—that's the thing. They're not too bad actually in terms in terms of um, an iMac. So they haven't jumped up that much. But then iMacs were never cheap to start off with. So there are basically um, three tiers of um, iMac um in, t in in terms of specs um and obviously there 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 are three tiers for the 21 inch model and three tiers for the 27 inch model so i won't go through all the prices but i'll go through the um the low end and high end of each option so basically the 21.5 inch imac you can your starting price really is 1049 pounds and that's for the 2.3 gigahertz with one terabyte of storage and in terms of ram that comes with eight gigabytes of memory um, the graphics card for that one is the intel iris plus graphics card the high-end 27 uh 21 sorry the high-end 21.5 inch imac is the one with retina for a retina 4k display that would probably be the one that you want uh that's a 3.4 gigahertz processor um that's quad core um now that again terabyte of storage as standard um this comes with a fusion drive this comes with a radon pro uh, uh um, graphics card um and it uh basically will set you back 1449 pounds so again the prices haven't varied that much from the previous iteration but again you know they were never cheap to start off with going on to the 27 inch imac your starting price is £1,749. Now that gets you uh, a brand new, incredibly impressive, 5K display. 5K display at 3.4 gigahertz processor. It's a quad core, an Intel Core i5. Um, RAM, that, that's again uh, 8 gigabytes of RAM. And that one does come with a better graphics card, the Radon Pro 570. Um, the high end is £2,249. That's again for a Retina display, a Retina 5K display. That's 3.2, no, sorry, 3.8 gigahertz quad core uh, Intel Core i5 processor. Now that one has two terabytes of storage. That's the only iMac with two terabytes of storage. Um, again, that price is eight gigabytes of RAM. You can you can upgrade obviously, but that that increases the price. Um, so the two terabyte fusion drive on that, as I mentioned, and, um, the rate, the slightly better graphics card, the Radon Pro 580, with eight gigabytes of video memory. So that's the iMac. Now, um, Apple have done the unexpected. Um, well, no, before I jump to the unexpected, 
they have just to mention they have also updated the macbook pro line um obviously there's 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 not much um to really report with that apart from these are all uh, sort of spec bumps and the prices again are in line with what they were before but now this is the part that makes me excited and this is where i'm drooling so apple have announced a new desktop machine um and it's basically an imac pro now this one looks absolutely gorgeous now this is a high-end a high-end mac and apple claim that it is their most powerful mac ever so um apple has shown some love uh, to you know um, prosumers again um i've after the um, the original desktop Mac Pro hadn't been updated in over three years, I believe. So this one is gorgeous. This has the same form factor as the existing iMac, but in the lovely space gray finish. And you get a space gray uh, wireless keyboard with new numerical pad. And you, um, you also get a space gray magic mouse. And it is a stunning, stunning machine. Um, it, you know, this is a pro machine. Uh, workstation class performance they say um, to an 18 core 18 core Xeon processor um, uh, in terms of um, you know you, you know graphics you have a Radon Vega graphics uh, card in there up to 16 gigabytes of video RAM um, this thing is a beast um, it's configurable up to 128 gigabytes of of, of of standard memory standard ram um and it comes equipped with four thunderbolt three ports now this thing like i said it's a beast it's it, it's got the usual things that uh, you can expect from the imac uh, but this has a 1080p facetime camera um this handles real-time 3d rendering um and it is perfect for vr um it, it is it is set up ideally for vr in terms of um handling the high frame rate and in terms of dealing with real-time sort of high, high high density video so 4k video and um they've obviously um uh, you know um, wooing the developers in the audience by uh, obviously emphasizing the fact that um this thing is a lot faster when it comes to uh, compiling code now the price this is a dream computer and this is a basically a professional computer and as such it um it has a professional price tag so this thing is going to start yes start at um four thousand nine hundred and ninety nine us dollars that's five grand now you might think okay right well that's us dollars isn't it Yes, um, we don't actually have the official UK price just yet, but ever since um, you know we decided to do a stupid thing and vote to leave the EU, Apple have basically all they have done when it comes to pricing is swapped over the currency symbol. So I would expect this to be a cool five thousand um, pounds if you're lucky, four and a half thousand pounds. But this thing is not going to be cheap. But it's absolutely gorgeous, and um, you know what? I can dream. Now onto the real meat of the um, the, the keynote presentation, and that's um, the reveal of iOS 11. Now iOS 11, the next version of the operating system for iPhone and iPad, is not something that we'll actually be able to get our hands on in any sort of official capacity until the autumn. That's normally when new iPhones get released. 
Um, now there's a lot of new features for iOS 11. I actually found it in hindsight now quite underwhelming. Um, there's some cool new features I'm, and I'm talking mainly for the phone, for the iPhone, first of all, cool new features, but nothing particularly groundbreaking, which makes me think that all of the cool stuff is being saved is, is basically hardware specific. And we'll learn about that when the next generation iPhone gets unveiled, but just to whiz through some of the, the, the standout new features for, um, iOS 11, first of all, um, they had a bit of an issue in iOS 10 with iMessage. Now iMessage had a number of problems. It, Apple introduced iMessage apps. Um, you know, you could do various things with iMessage. You could uh, apply stickers or, you know, useful utilities such as, um, I don't know, um, currency converters or, or you know, booking.com, hotel suggestions, little things like that to interact with um, the other person via iMessage. There, there was little, little interactive applets that iMessage and widgets that iMessage could use. Um now, the problem with that was it was a bit of a mess and it was a bit of a convoluted way to get to those applications. First of all, you, um, you'd, you'd download an app on the App Store, a regular app for your iPhone um, or your iPad, and then you'd have to enable the iMessage applet for that app. Once you do that, you have to click through goodness knows how many, um, how many how many clicks it takes, probably about two, three, I can't remember, to get to the enabled apps. And there you can use the app within iMessage. And by the time you've done all that, you've just, you know, given up, basically. What's the point? You've, you've, lost, you've lost the will to do what you were trying to do in the first place. So no one's really used the, um, the applets for iMessage at all. Um, stickers, sure. They've used that just to post funny you know, you know, funny memes and, and, and images to one another. But other than that, no one's really used, taken advantage of the applets. So Apple have uh, come up with a solution to try and make that, make it a little bit easier to access those apps and those stickers. Um, is And they've done that by redesigning the iMessage app. It now contains an app drawer, as they describe, which is essentially a dock um, immediately at the bottom of iMessage and you can't miss it. And then within that dock, you see the little icons representing the apps that you have installed that have iMessage applets. So you can see straight away whether um, you can do something in iMessages with music. We can do something with maps. You can do something with uh, Just Eat, for example. You can see it all there and that will um, be easier for you to sort of tap and use those things and also will encourage you because a lot of the time you install an app and you have no idea it has an iMessage applet. So, you know, that, that was that's, this is a good UI enhancement. Um, it was a long time coming, to be quite honest. Um, another um, thing that Apple announced uh, with respect to iMessage and not a lot of people are going to be aware of this is iCloud Sync. Now you would think, well, wait a minute. I thought iMessages was over iCloud anyway. Well, yes, they were and they are. But what iMessage didn't do from device to device was to actually sync your conversation. So for example, if um, you have an iPhone and you have a trail of conversation between you and a friend or a group of friends on iMessage and you get yourself a new Apple device, an iPad, for example, um, once you sign into iCloud, yes, you'll be able to receive iMessages, but you won't have that history of all the previous messages and, and that particular chain of conversation. Furthermore, um, if you delete a specific message from a conversation on one device, it doesn't delete from the other device. So now everything is going to be synced over the cloud. So therefore, 
when you get a new device, you will have the complete iMessage history because everything's in the cloud. Um, and again, if you delete a specific message, it will delete, and the deletion will propagate through all your devices. So again, that's something that was a long time coming. Um, Apple also announced an enhancement to Apple Pay. Now, Apple Pay is um, Apple Pay has been really warmly embraced in the UK. All the major UK banks support it. So, most credit and debit cards, even those that don't, um, those accounts that don't initially offer contactless payment, do indeed support Apple Pay. So, and essentially, you have a contactless payment device in in your iPhone. Now, um, Apple have now announced that Apple Pay is moving over to person-to-person -person payments. So we're looking at something that could take on the likes of Pingit, the likes of PayPal, etc. Now, um, the way this works, and Apple whizzed through this very briefly, and I'm sure we're going to get a lot more information in the days to come. But the way this works is through iMessages. It is, again, an iMessages applet. And essentially, you can, when you're in, in, in an iMessage uh, conversation, you can launch Apple Pay, tap in some money, and then, you know, tap in an amount, let's say, for example, 70 quid, and that gets pushed over to the recipient. Simple as that. Now, um, obviously, this is tied to your existing debit card or credit card that's in Apple Pay. Um, and, and again, you need to use Touch ID to authenticate that payment. But it is quick and it is easy. And um, it also uses a bit of machine learning, artificial intelligence um, to um, sort of detect whether, um, you know, it, it, it's appropriate to launch the Apple Pay uh, applet. So, for example, if I'm in a message with someone uh, exchanging iMessages and I'm saying, hey, by the way, you still owe me um, 50 quid from the, you know, the other, the other night, um, it will automatically um, launch the uh, Apple Pay applet. It will automatically um, fill in um, the re required payment amount to be £50 um, and it will suggest, hey, do you want to send £50 over to this person? It doesn't do it automatically, but it tries to make your life a bit easier. Um, now, you're probably asking, well, what about those who don't have Apple Pay? So say if I send um, some money to someone um, who doesn't have Apple Pay set up, how does that work? Where does the money go? Well, in effect, Apple are going to give us with iOS 11, going to give us all Apple Pay cash cards. Um, now, this is a virtual cash card, and we don't know how this is being set up um, financially. We don't know if you'll be able to actually obtain a plastic card uh, to use in shops and things like that. But, but essentially, you get a wallet. Um, and if I'm sending £50, for example, to someone who doesn't have um, a conventional bank uh, account tied to Apple Pay on their device, it gets sent to their Apple Pay cash card, which essentially can still be used uh, for goods and services. It can still be used in shops. So your if you present your iPhone with, with an Apple Pay cash card, which is built into it from what I understand, you can use it as you would use a normal debit card, I believe. Um, they didn't go into detail about if you could add funds yourself to those cash cards. I would imagine you could. They didn't go into in detail about any um, fees that may be attached to that. Um, but once again, I, I'm sure we'll learn more in the uh, days to come.
Now some um, some some updates to Apple Maps. Um, Apple Maps obviously um, had had a dreadful start when it was first launched uh, several years ago, uh, but you know it's been getting better and better with each iteration of iOS. Um, some new features announced for iOS 11 um, are quite compelling actually. First of all, um, we are going to get detailed floor plans for shopping malls in major cities across the world, and London is one of them. Um, so London is among the first batch of cities. Uh, other ones include Boston, Chicago, Hong Kong. Um, so I would imagine that this will be uh, floor plans for various malls. I'm thinking um, both both Westfield Westfield malls, the one uh, the one in uh, Stratford City, and the other one in White City. And I'm also thinking perhaps more such as Blue Water and Lakeside, perhaps. So we will be able to see um, a 3D floor plan of the mall. And we will be able to search for specific shops and identify where those shops are. So that will be quite useful. Although I find that most of the time I can't get a signal inside a busy mall, but that, that's, that's another matter. Um, Apple Maps is also now going to display speed limits, which is very useful. Um, it's also going to help us in terms of navigation by offering us lane guidance. Now, lane guidance is useful when, like I said, when you're navig when you're using um, satellite navigation, and what it will do is essentially prepare you before you um, you make a turn at a junction or an exit or what have you, and it will prep you and tell you well in advance when to enter the appropriate lane, and it will display on the screen what that appropriate lane is so again that's another useful feature for drivers um, but probably the most impressive feature or the most important feature uh, for drivers is the new do not disturb while driving mode and that sounds like a bit of a mouthful um, but this works very differently to a phone's do not disturb mode and this is going to be baked into iOS 11 and affect all iPhones that will run iOS 11. Now why this is, is this important? Because um, you know too many road accidents occur where someone is completely distracted by their phone. They don't have to be speaking to someone on their phone they could be picking up the phone to check a message that's come in to check a facebook alert that's come in to check anything that's coming the phones are constantly pushing information to us and they're a constant distraction and you know despite do not disturb modes and things like that the phones still vibrate uh, or the screen still flashes up and um, it still grabs our attention so what apple have done is come up with a very clever way to basically disable all alerts on the phone and you might think okay well what's the big deal i could just switch my phone off well what Apple have suggested um, is something that will initiate itself basically um, the iPhone will use a combination of Bluetooth to see if your car is communicating to it via Bluetooth uh, Wi-Fi or its motion sensors to detect or ascertain whether you are likely to be driving or not now if you're likely to be driving the phone will switch to do not disturb while driving mode and basically what happens is you get a blank screen you get no audible alerts coming through you get no vibrations on your phone you 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 know if a message comes through you don't see it on the screen the screen remains blank and the screen remains black and when if you know if you uh, try to um, check your phone 
you still don't see those messages. It says to you, it says quite clearly that, you know, we think you're driving. The phone's in do not um, disturb while driving mode. If you wish to switch it off, you can switch it off, but you have to go out of your way to do so. Or it will switch itself off automatically when it is satisfied using um, its various sensors and intelligence that you are no longer driving. Now, some may ask, OK, great. Well, what if I'm sitting in the back of a car or I'm in the passenger seat and it thinks I'm driving and I'm not? Well, your phone will still going to do not disturb while driving mode, but you will have the option to specify that you are you are not driving and your phone will return to normal. This is an absolutely brilliant feature. This is a very responsible feature. It's long overdue. And this is one feature that I hope, um, you know, the likes of Google and Samsung copy. Um, this will save lives. This will save so many lives. And this is one of the things I love about Apple, um, you know, doing things, you know, launching features and services that can be for the greater good. Um, yep, this is going to be a good feature. And um, I like the fact that it you have to opt out of it. You don't opt into it. I like that idea. Uh, so that's the do not disturb while driving mode. Um, next up is basically um, just some updates about Apple Music and essentially um, Apple Music is going to receive some social features. Um, you will now be able to see what your friends are listening to. Um, each of your contacts on Apple Music, well, your contacts on your phone will have an Apple Music profile page provided they're Apple Music subscribers. You'll be able to see what albums they've got, if they opt in, what sort of playlists they have created. And you'll, you'll obviously be able to listen to what they're listening to. They have an interesting playlist. You'll play, you, can, you can listen to it. Um, if you, when you're going through the Apple Music catalogue, um, or you're just scanning, you know, through, through the newest albums or on the For You section or whatever. If any of your friends own that album or had that album or track as part of their Apple Music library, then you will see uh, their, a little, their little avatar on, on that album art. So that would indicate, um, and you can see more than one, obviously, so indicate all the people you know who are listening to that album. So that's a nice idea just to keep Apple, Apple Music a little bit more um, sociable. Um, and I like the idea of shape, shared of shared playlists. Um, another social function is more to do with when you have guests and at last Apple Music or music or rather the music app is going to have a shared what's up next feature. So basically up the up next uh, function of of the music app allows you to essentially queue up tracks. So you're playing some songs, you can queue up a track to um to play next or to play up next which is basically at the end of your queue of your current queue and um your friends will be able to do this so if you have friends or family around your house and they also have iphones they will be able to contribute um their music uh their playlists their selections to um the overall the overall playlist, um, the you know the overall overall queue of music that is playing uh, at home. So that's particularly good if you're having parties and things like that. Everyone can just queue up a song. 
Um, Apple kind of had this feature before. It used to be called iTunes DJ, but it was incredibly cumbersome to use. And, oh, you had to jump through hoops just to get it working. And by the time you explained to your friends how to get it working, they lost all interest. Now, this is a lot easier. This is right out the box. This is a great way for people to sort of um, mix and match, um, you know, the songs that they may own. Um, the different playlists that they may have and it's a great way for you to come together and come together through music now apple have um, also announced a, um, a music kit um, api for developers which basically gives third-party apps full access to the apple music library this is great because i found it incredibly frustrating when i was for example using fitness apps to like run keeper etc to generate a playlist while i'm running that the only tracks that it could see were the ones that were actually synced to my phone so not the ones that were in apple music um not the ones i had saved to the cloud but the ones that were actually on my phone so um at last now third party apps can can have full access to apple music and it will make the app experience uh, a lot better for all of us now apple have also made some um updates to the app store the App Store is, and they really sort of um, you know, trumpeted this, actually. And I, I personally don't think it was a big deal. But um, the App Store has, has had a huge update, according to Apple, a huge update. And essentially all they've done is just redesigned it a little bit. Um, it resembles the Music app. So it greatly resembles the Music app. And you have very specific tabs uh, or very specific sections now. So you have an app section. You have a separate game section um you have a section much like the um for you section on the uh, on, on the on the music app uh where it would suggest sort of new music or things you might be interested in that's not currently in the library so this section is called today on the app store and it's just a way really for you to discover apps and read stories and tidbits about the developers who were behind them and so forth You'll also see things such as um, you know, tips and guides and you know, there'll be suggestions like app of the day and game of the day and that sort of thing and charts. Um, you'll also see a dedicated section for in-app purchases, uh, which is a good way for developers to sort of promote in-app purchases. But um, so, it, I mean, it looks a lot nicer. It's easier to navigate, but it's, it's not quite as um, as monumental as Apple have made it made it out to be today, but um, it's a nice update nonetheless. Now, Apple have um, also um, are introducing with iOS 11 an augmented reality um, kit. So they call it AR kit. Um, it's for developers and they demoed it today and really showed off some sophisticated augmented reality and it's incredibly clever it utilizes all the features of an iphone and an ipad all of the sensors to give you a really um a convincing augmented reality experience now um the best way to describe this is pokemon go which is an augmented reality game um you would play pokemon go you see a pokemon i don't know say you've got your phone in your room or your house you'll see a pokemon in your house but what you'll essentially see is just a little pokemon floating on the screen to wherever that you had the camera pointed so in which case the pokemon might not be actually on the carpet floor 
on the floor. The Pokemon might be in midair or the Pokemon might be sort of halfway between, you know, um, a wall and, and something else. And um, with, they demonstrated an, an advanced version of Pokemon Go using this augmented reality kit. Um, and it was a lot more realistic in terms of where the Pokemon was positioned and in terms of where the Pokemon moved as you moved your phone. It wasn't just a random um object to sort of floating on, on you know floating on the on the camera screen it, it it was actually quite convincing it was actually quite realistic um and so this is obviously something for developers to get behind i believe augmented reality is going to be um a big part of the um the next generation iphone i mean there are rumors that the next generation iphone is going to have a vertical dual lens um, configuration um, that could assist with augmented reality and augmented reality could very well be part of the core operating system for example um, you know exploring the areas around you you could get a whole load of information um, you know places to go places, you know the restaurants that sort of thing um, so I think that's what we're going to see with next generation iPhone and I think this is just basically um, teasing us and getting uh, developers interested in exploring this new um, API Now on to um, the iPad, funnily enough. Um, so we weren't expecting much from the iPad. We've heard rumors that at WWDC, Apple were going to, um, they were going to release, reveal a new iPad, a new iPad Pro. That's what we were expecting. Um, and they did reveal a new iPad Pro. And this is an update to the smaller iPad Pro. So the current ipad pro was 9.7 inches um now this new one is a 10.5 inch screen ipad pro now this has the same form factor as the 9.7 inch ipad pro exactly the same form factor just as slim just as light um but the the re what they did to uh, make the screen area larger was to basically slim down the left and right bezels just a little bit further and funnily enough we were well we were expecting it to have a bezel-less screen and it hasn't got a bezel-less screen so you still have bezels at the top and the bottom and they're very thin in the sides but so if you look at this new ipad if you look at this, you know a photo of this new ipad it doesn't look that much different i'm sure side by side next to a you know a, a normal 9.7 inch ipad you can see the difference quite clearly um but you know it doesn't appear to be that different at first glance this is a lot more powerful um this ipad now much like the 9.7 inch ipad you've got things uh, features such as true tone display and a wide color gamut etc etc this apparently has a, a better and a brighter screen this is um, a lot more powerful it has an a10x fusion chip so basically if uh, the iphone 7 uh, has an a10 processor this is the a10x so this is the fastest ios processor there is at present and it has a six core cpu so this is incredibly powerful um they demoed a photo editing um tool called affinity photo which dealt with layers much like photoshop does but um it was all operated using touch and the apple pencil and images man uh, manipulated and it was incredibly incredibly impressive and it, it ran so smoothly um 
the so this ipad um has a number of other features um usb 3 support finally um and so there we're gonna have fast charging and faster data transfer um so um the so this is a 10.5 inch and so the bigger ipad uh, 12.9 inch was also updated to take advantage of this new processor and features such as true tone display However, probably the biggest um, sort of hardware, new hardware feature of, of these new iPad Pros is the fact that um, the screen refresh rate, the screen refresh rate has been up updated to uh, upgraded to 120 hertz. Now, this is something that is quite hard to describe unless you see it. So um, essentially, this controls the um the the, the the smoothness of 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 of, of animated um, images and graphics on on the screen um, the frame rate if you will um, so with 120 hertz um, you you're gonna get sort of a buttery smooth scrolling and and, and animations and, and 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 transitions and things like that um, you are going to um, get some movies for example are going to look a lot nicer uh at 120 hertz um images still images it won't make much of a difference um and it, this new ipad will adapt when when it is displaying still images it won't um you know the screen refresh rate won't won't uh, go up to 120 hertz it will stay lower simply to conserve battery um but apparently this helps the Apple Pencil as well, this high refresh rate, because what it will do, it results in a lower latency. Um, so, I mean, this is one of these things that we need to really see, especially side, particularly side by side with the existing iPad Pro to see the, see the real difference. But Apple kept on emphasizing the fact that everything looks buttery smooth. Um, everything is just just vis more visually stunning and uh, more and more impressive. Um, and and again, the it, with a lower latency in the Apple Pencil on, on these on these better screens, it increases accuracy um, when you're using it as a drawing tool. Now, the new um, iPad Pro hardware wasn't the most impressive uh, aspect of Apple's iPad updates. What was more impressive were the software updates headed to the iPad Pro and software updates which the existing iPad Pros will also get to enjoy. Now this is going to be part of iOS 11 but Apple said that these are iPad specific features and finally, it seems like the iPad is being differentiated from the iPhone. Now, these are good, good features that really give some um, credence to Apple's claims that the iPad Pro can stand as a basically an alternative to a laptop. Um, let me go through some of the features now. What we've got is essentially that make that makes the iPad more useful as a productivity device. So we know the iPad's great for watching movies, listening to music, but to act, for actually getting work done, it can be a bit cumbersome. But now we have a number of new features that help matters. For example, we have finally have a file system. Apple are launching an app on the iPad Pro or the iPad called Files. 
Now, this will enable you to access your system files. When I say system files, I mean the documents, uh, images and things that you have saved onto your iPad system. Um, it will also enable allow you to um, access your storage from various cloud services. Now, that will obviously include iCloud. It'll include the usual suspects such as Dropbox, OneDrive, etc. So you'll be able to access your files from anywhere within the One app. Now, what you can also do is drag and drop. So Apple have launched drag and drop. You can now drag any element from any app into another app. So, for example, if there is a chunk of text um, in your notes app and you want to drag that into an email you can do so you can literally drag it if there's a chunk of text on a web page and you want to drag it likewise onto your note back to your notes app you can do so you can um, it, what it does it uses the split panel views in order for you to move things between applications and that includes images as well you can also drag items images files uh, attachments from emails etc direct into your files app if you want to save them away now um an, another thing that you can do is 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 multitask a lot better so if you remember the how the ipad pro works now on ios 10 if you think about that um to get split screen view you have to kind of swipe from the right of the screen um, trawl down a long list of apps um, and open one up and then you know then you 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 split the panes so that you can work between the two apps it's a little bit cumbersome but it does work so what apple have done now made improvements to the user interface the dock at the bottom of um your, your ios home screen or the, or the main ios screen um has now been extended to take the full the full length for the ipad and it so it looks a lot now like the um, the Mac OS dock, and apart from the um, the items, the apps that you have saved to the dock, it will also suggest apps as well. They suggested apps will appear in the dock to fill it to fill it out to pad it out, and um, to open um, a number of um, applications for multitasking or to drag and drop data and items, media, whatever between them, you simply. Um, drag the app icon so for example i would drag the messages app icon into you know into on, onto the screen onto any position on the home screen left corner right corner center whatever and the app will open up and you can do that with other apps and you can literally multitask in that way um, and that allows for simple um you know gestures um when you're switching between the apps and and, and moving items across across the apps so it does resemble the Finder on the Mac um, when you use it in conjunction with the new Files app. Now, Apple have really gone heavy with Apple Pencil support with the um, the iOS 11 update for the iPad Pro. Now, you can do a number of things. You can literally mark up anywhere. You can, and, and this is long overdue. It's such a basic feature, which was shockingly missing. So you can now literally mark... Um, an email, mark up an email, Apple Pencil, draw a sketch, draw a map, sign, sign, sign a letter, sign an email. You can mark up 
a, um, a Safari page, a web page. And the way that is done is that now on the share sheets, you can send anything uh, to a create PDF option. So once you do the create PDF option, so for example, I'm browsing a website, I'm browsing BBC News, for example, there's something I want to mark up and send to someone else or keep as a note. I initiate the share sheet from that web page, create PDF, I immediately uh, am able to mark that PDF and do what I want with it. And the same principle applies with screenshots now. Before, when you hold the home button and you hold the power button together, it takes a screenshot and you would normally have to hunt through the Photos app um, to find that screenshot and then mark it up. Right now, the screenshot appears in thumbnail for form immediately when you've taken it. Um, you can tap on that and that takes you straight into the markup screen. So in other ways, Apple are pushing markup is in terms of document scanning. So we had apps before such as um, Jet Scanner um, or Scannable. But now Apple have their own implementation. It was actually quite a clever demo. They had a document on a table at a, uh, you know, it wasn't a head on. Uh, the camera wasn't looking at it head on. It was at an angle. And essentially it detected the document um, and it straightened out the image and immediately you were able to mark it up. And in case of the demo on stage, it was a form and the user was able to sign that form and then email it or file it away. So markup features quite heavily in iOS 11. And again, it's, you know, it's one of these things you're only going to enjoy if you have an iPad Pro and if you have an Apple Pencil, which still isn't being included with the iPad Pro, it's going to cost you £100 extra. Um, but, um, you know, I... I I think this, these updates are great. It's exactly what the iPad needed. The iPad needs to be more of a useful productivity device if they, Apple are insisting on charging the prices that they do for the iPad Pro. It needs to do more than what the iPhone does. It needs to differentiate itself from the iPhone. And I think finally it's beginning to do that with these updates. I'm sure there's a lot more, but these are the only ones that they were able to really show on stage at the time. And again, in the coming days, I'm sure we will discover a lot more about what the iPad has to offer offering iOS um, 11. Um, there was a couple more, actually. Let me think. So um, there is a, uh, a quick type keyboard. So before, when you, um, you basically had to um, hit the button on your keyboard to change the casing or to get to symbols, etc. It became a bit annoying when you were trying to type fast. Now you can literally um, flick your finger down on the keys to get to numbers and punctuation and, and things like that. And it's probably best if you watch this on the video, but you can type really fast and include numbers and symbols and special characters without interrupting your, your um, you know, the workflow too much. Um, and basically, yeah, so the iPad is now resembling a Mac, I think, uh, with these updates. It's definitely resembling a Mac, just little things in terms of the dock and the multitasking and um, the viewing all of your your open applications, um, much like, um, you know, you, you, you mission control on the Mac. It It, it is resembling a Mac. Um, is Can you know, can you be as productive on an iPad than, than, than as on a Mac? Um, that remains to be seen, but this is definitely a step in the right direction. Um, but as I say, um, you know, you really need an iPad Pro to take advantage of this 
and you need an Apple Pencil. And, you know, before I move off the subject of the iPad, there was one feature that they whizzed past that I just thought was blooming brilliant. And that was the ability to quickly scribble a note. Now, one thing I, I envied Microsoft Surface users, um, I, I envied of them was, was the fact that they could literally pull out the Microsoft Pencil and scribble a note quickly. Um, and, and, and in this is most of the times, if you need to take a note, if you need to take notes, if you have the iPad with you or in a meeting and someone said a good point or you need to make a note of something, you don't really have time to open the iPad, unlock the iPad, launch the appropriate notes app, make sure you're in the right drawing tool. And before you've done all that, you've lost track of what's being said. But they showed a feature very, very quickly where essentially you your iPad is locked. Um, and you turn on the screen, you just touch the screen or whatever, and you have an Apple Pencil, and you tap on the screen with an Apple Pencil. Now, there is a little icon on the screen which will immediately launch the Notes app and get you into sort of handwriting markup mode. So with one tap of the pencil, you're in there, and you can take notes. Now, finally, much like Microsoft OneNote on um, Windows devices, they Apple are now uh, introducing handwriting recognition. So you can now transcribe your notes. Um, how effective that will be if you have handwriting like me, I don't know, it remains to be seen. But you can now transcribe your notes. And not only that, if you don't choose to transcribe your notes, if you just have a page of written notes um, and you want to search for those notes, you know, three months time, four months time, how do you search for them? You know, they're at the bottom of a long list. How do you find them? Well, now the iPad will recognize what you've written. It will recognize your handwriting, even though it hasn't actually transcribed it into, into type text yet. Um, and you can search on Spotlight for a phrase or word or whatever that you use in your scribbles, and it will identify that note. So that's absolutely brilliant update for the iPad. I'm looking forward to that. And it's long overdue. Will this help sell iPad Pros at the prices that they're selling for? It will help, I think. Um, I'm not convinced it will do the trick because they're still quite expensive. So on to the price. The 10.5-inch display iPad Pro. So this is the same form factor as the, as the current 9.7-inch. This is probably the most popular one. This one begins at £619. Now, the difference now is that the, the base model of the iPad Pro starts at 64 gigabytes of storage. And it goes right up, actually. It goes to 256 gigabytes and then to... 512 gigabytes so that base model is 619 pounds for that one um, in terms of the high-end model that's going to set you back 889 pounds that's for the 512 gigabyte model now of course if you want um, the 4g version you add 100 pounds onto on, onto that price um, it doesn't get much cheaper I'm afraid and in terms of the 12.9 inch iPad now that one um, is expensive but that was always expensive. So the, the 12.9 inch iPad Pro, that one, I believe, um, just getting the prices now from Apple's site. That one um, starts at £769. So £769 for that one. Um, that's your, your base 64 gigabyte model. Again, if you want to go up to 512, that's going to cost you £1,039. That's some serious money for a tablet. And remember, this does not include the Apple Pencil. Um, but if you are a creative person and you're going to make the most out of 
um, I would say the, the drawing applications and the image manipulation applications of the iPad Pro, then you, you know, you may as well go for that large model. Um, if you are serious about using the iPad Pro as a laptop replacement, I guess it's not too bad. Again, I'm not entirely convinced whether it is feasibly a laptop replacement. It certainly has a lot more to offer now with these new features, um, but we will see. You know, that remains to be seen. But I must um, I must stress that these new features are part of iOS 11. So if you do pick up one of these new iPads, which are actually on sale from tomorrow, but if you do pick up on these new iPads, you won't have those features yet. You're going to have to wait until the autumn for those. Pretty much it um, for the conference in terms of Apple's updates to their existing products. There was one final feature which I deliberately um, did not mention, um, and that was the AirPlay 2 protocol. So Apple have announced the follow-up to AirPlay, AirPlay 2, um, and the difference between AirPlay 2 and its current incarnation, you know, the ability to send audio and video wirelessly um, to AirPlay supported speakers or, and devices um, is the fact that AirPlay 2 supports multi-room audio. Now, the first uh, incarnation of AirPlay kind of supported multi-room audio. In actual fact, you can manage... Uh, multiple speakers if you use for example iTunes on your Mac or PC and you have several AirPlay speakers dotted around your house it doesn't work too reliably but it kind of works as soon as Apple mentioned AirPlay 2 um, supporting multi-room audio I thought to myself they're going after Sonos because that is what Sonos's biggest selling point is creating a mesh network and the seamless um, simultaneous playback of music between speakers in various zones throughout your house. And that is the reason why Sonos is able to get away with a premium because why this, while the speakers are reasonably good quality, then for the price that they charge, they are not certainly not the best. Um, they're certainly, certainly not up there with the likes of... Um, Bose, etc. Um, and so as soon as they announced AirPlay 2, I knew where Apple were going. I knew they were going to pretty much announce a speaker of their own. Now, they did say that there will be various um, companies sort of bringing AirPlay 2 speakers to the market. The usual suspects were there. Um, and they did say that if you have an Apple TV 4 already, you have um, an AirPlay 2 equipped speaker because the Apple TV 4 will support the AirPlay 2 protocol on whatever speakers you have connected, be it a home cinema system or whatever, to your Apple TV, um, they will act as AirPlay 2 speakers. But nonetheless, Apple did indeed 
um, announce one final thing at the end of the conference, and that was a new product. This is the fabled Siri speaker, Apple's answer to the Amazon Echo, the Google Home, um, Apple's answer to the Sonos even. Um, Apple announced their speaker, and it's not called a Siri speaker. It's not called the... Um, well, I think it was going to be called the the um, Air, Air Tunes or anything like that. Um, it's called HomePod, which is quite a hokey name, HomePod. And um, Apple um, basically heralded this as a breakthrough home speaker. And they had Phil Schiller, no less, introduce this product. And we all know what Phil Schiller is like with Hyperbole. Um, and basically, Apple are going to reinvent music. Reinvent music with this product, the HomePod, uh, despite its hokey name, I'll say it again. And Phil Schiller began um, this announcement by actually calling out and displaying images of um, a Sonos uh, speaker and the Amazon Echo uh, speaker and basically outlining the problems of each. The Sonos, for example, good quality speaker, good quality audio, um, but it doesn't do much else. It's not very smart. It just plays music. The Amazon Echo, on the other hand, it's a smart speaker. You can tap into various services, but the audio quality isn't great. So Phil Schiller said Apple came up with the solution, and that is essentially a high quality in terms of audio. Um, so high audio fidelity, um, smart speaker that does it all. Um, and the HomePod is essentially it resembles the 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 mac pro the cylinder shaped mac pro um but um it, it essentially has a, a mesh it's it's a so a mesh that surrounds the entire cylinder device so you have um, um seven beam forming tweeters around the around the device um and you also have a um a 4.5 inch uh, woofer Now, this thing um, has uh, six microphones, uh, six beam forming microphones, um, essentially for the, the device to um, to listen out for voice commands um, from from a distance, basically from the other side of your room, the other side of your home, essentially. Um, and apparently it, it works really well and it picks up your voice quite clearly, even when loud music is playing. Now these, um, so there's seven, there's seven tweeters. So you're going to get a fully immersive, um, sound experience and each has its own custom amplifier and the beam forming will allow um the device to direct sound so it has spatial awareness so it apparently knows if it's in the middle of a room if it's against a wall against a shelf it just knows and so the way sound is directed um intelligently um gives you the best and the most immersive experience no matter in what what conditions the speaker is in so um this is essentially a high quality speaker they're going off to sonos a high quality AirPlay 2 speaker that taps directly into Apple Music. This is being pushed primarily as an Apple Music device. Now, I mean, that, that's good. I mean, so basically what, what, what we've been told is that this thing will, will support Siri commands. 
for playing music. So, hey Siri, um, play me some hip hop. Hey Siri, um, you know uh, what what song was number one this time last year? Interestingly enough, some 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 rather you know specific questions uh, we use as an example. For example, hey Siri. Um, who's playing the drums on this track or, and I'm saying, Hey Siri, a lot while my phone is going berserk guys. So I'm sorry about that. Um, you know, um, Hey, you know who, um, you know, who's, who's playing guitar on this track, that sort of thing. It also accepts, um, you know, um, questions, just general, general questions like Siri on your phone does. Like for example, what's the football score? What's the weather like? And it also taps into your, uh, your iCloud calendar and your reminders. So what meetings do I have? What, you know, what emails do I have, etc., etc. There was no mention at all about how this thing would work for multiple users. I mean, it works with Hey Siri. So I take it, does that recognize only what you train it to recognize only one person's voice? In which case it's not much of a, um, you know, a, 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 a music playing system if it can only be used by one person. Um, and if it is used for multiple, if it, it is, you know, set up for multiple uses, if I ask it to tell me what my agenda is for tomorrow, whose agenda is it going to look at? Myself, my partners, my sons, you know, there's a lot of questions to be answered. Um, now, one of the questions I had was, does this thing tap into HomeKit? Yes, it does. Absolutely. It responds to HomeKit commands, turn off the lights, turn up the heating, etc. In actual fact, this is can actually um, function as a HomeKit hub. So initially it was just the Apple TV and an iPad that could be set up as a HomeKit hub. HomeKit hub allows you to... Um, initiate HomeKit kit commands to Siri remotely. So when you're away from your home, you can yell into your phone and tell it to turn lights on or off, etc. Um, so this HomePod device can act as the primary HomeKit hub. Um, you know, but we didn't really, um, we didn't get a, a hands-on demo. I guess that would be difficult to do anyway. Um, we got an example of how audio can fill a room. They, there was some sort of example of that, but it wasn't actually the product itself that was playing the audio. Now, this thing is, well, first of all, you know, it, it, it comes in two colors, uh, white and space gray. It looks fairly small for such a powerful audio device. It looks fairly small. Um, the bad news is actually this thing is shipping in December, so we've got a while to wait. I held out from getting an Amazon Echo or Google Home because I wanted Apple's implementation of a smart speaker because I am invested in the Apple ecosystem. So we're going to wait till December, but we are among the three countries that get it at launch. Uh, that The others being the USA and Australia. Um, and this thing is going to cost us 349 US dollars. Again, there is no official UK price, but expect this thing to cost 350 pounds or 325 pounds or certainly no lower than 300 pounds. I wouldn't have thought. Um, so this is quite expensive. You know, the Amazon Echo is 150 pounds. Um, the Google Home is 130 pounds. I mean, if you look around, those are the best prices you can get for those. This thing is expensive. This is twice the price. And Phil Schiller um, quite amusingly, um, you know, combined the price of a Sonos and an Amazon Echo and said, hey, this is a lot cheaper than buying these two combined, these two together. Well, yeah, but who would? Um, you know, and, and he even had the audacity to say, you know, the HomePod is brilliant when you put two together. You know, they just, they, 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 um, they play music, um, you know, the same music simultaneously and you get a better audio experience. 
yeah, two home pods. What's that going to cost me? Seven hundred pounds. Um, it's expensive, but I can see a lot of people buying this, particularly people who are invested in Apple ecosystem and again invested in Apple Music. It could be really good. Now, my question is, okay. That's great. December. It looks nice. It's from all descriptions. It will be a you know high quality speaker. Um, but what of the smart um, the speaker functionality of this thing? So what of the actual home assistant functionality? Is Siri going to be any more intelligent or is Siri just going to be as Siri is on the phone? Is Siri going to be able to interpret what I'm saying contextually? Or is Siri just going to stumble like that, like he or she does now? Um, another thing I have to ask is there was no mention, and particularly at the Worldwide Developers Conference. And again, this might come out in the coming days. There may be workshops and conferences, but they certainly didn't mention anything today. Um, there was no mention of expanding this thing. Does this thing only accept Siri commands for music? For Apple Music, play this album, play that album. What's the time? What's the weather? Does it not? Can it not be expanded? The Amazon Echo um, is expanded through its skills. That's how it can tap into a number of third-party services, and that's how Alexa appears intelligent and useful. I want this thing to tap into everything. Now, Apple had a slide, and they said it would. You know, you'd be able to ask about stocks and travel and things like that. But what I want to know is whether these are things that Apple. Um, are offering or whether these are things that are going to be offered by developers so can we tap into this can we offer uh, can developers um, use the information and the intelligence that their apps uh, gather and, and report um, for this Siri um, speaker for this HomePod to tap into I don't know um, so um, that's the HomePod again two models white and space grey uh, the white one looks quite nice actually um you know if, if you have phil schiller money of course you, know, you suggest buying two um the good one of the good things about this though is that you know as, as these things become more mainstream these um home assistants we tend to worry we tend to get paranoid are these things spying on us they respond to voice commands are they always listening are they always recording are they always phoning home are they sending things back to the google slash amazon slash apple server in this case phil schiller emphasized that um Privacy was a priority to Apple. And in terms of the Hey Siri command, um, that was done through local recognition. So it's not constantly connected to the Internet and listening out for that command. It recognizes that command locally. And when it hears that command, it then switches on and then would sort of uh, send the voice command to Apple servers for processing only then. And even then it claims um, when it does so, it does it using an anonymous ID and uh, with end-to-end -end encryption. So for those who are concerned about, um, you know, privacy and a bit paranoid about things spying on them, it sounds like a better option than the other products on the market. But I have to say, yet again, this is rather expensive, and I'm not quite sure how the market are going to take to this. December is probably a good time to release it. Christmas, people tend to uh, spend a bit more liberally. Um, but um, yeah, $349 is a lot of money. And this thing has is going to have to really, really sound good. Um, now, some would argue that this thing can't compete. Um, it's even more expensive than the Sonos Play 1. I would say from the specification, it's a lot more sophisticated than Sonos Play 1. A Sonos Play 1 um, retails for as cheap as £180. 
Um, now this thing is is, is more, but um, essentially this thing is a lot more sophisticated. And the problem with Sonos is you really need to be heavily invested in their ecosystem to get the most out of it which is incredibly expensive. You'll be spending thousands before you know it. And um, this is, you know, this is ideally for the Apple ecosystem. This will tap into Apple Music brilliantly. All you have to do is speak to the thing and it will play you music. It will it will give you information. The Sonos is different. To get the most out of the Sonos, you have to kind of, well, you have to download the Sonos app. You have to convince your guests to download the Sonos apps and, the, and then you can cue music and do all that sort of thing. The thing, good thing about this um, Apple speaker, the HomePod, is that, like I said, there's voice command. You can tell it to play a particular song next, or you can use your iPhone uh, or your iPad. Now, your guests can do the same thing because it being an AirPlay 2 speaker, it will just show up on as part of the Home app, and others will be able to AirPlay music to the device, or, as the example they gave at the, um, the, the keynote, um, you will be able to essentially queue up songs and have a shared queue of songs all being sent to the HomePod. So um, this is probably something I'm going to be interested in. What I'm going to be more interested in for the time being is, is, is the impressions people have playing around with this thing at WWDC um, and, and you know getting an impression about the audio quality. Right now, the biggest question, I'll say it again, is can developers tap into this or can this thing tap into third party services? Because that, I think, is the difference between it just being a glorified um, overpriced speaker or a really compelling futuristic, um, you know, home assistant. There is no screen on the HomePod device. Um, we all suspected that there might be one after Phil Schiller did make some comments when he was asked his opinion of Amazon Echo. Um, he did say, and this is before the Echo show was released, he did say that he felt that the Echo was hindered um, because it didn't have a screen. But funnily enough, the HomePod doesn't have a screen either. So I'm not sure what it was getting at. Um, but nonetheless, the HomePod doesn't have a screen. It does have... Uh, touch sensitive buttons at the top to control power and volume and to presumably maybe skip tracks I don't know um, it also has fancy lights at the top that respond to voice commands so as you are communicating with Siri you see the the waveform uh, in an array of pretty lights Nonetheless, I myself am looking forward to this product. Um, I'm looking forward to be able to just sit on my sofa and say, Siri, dim the lights, Siri, play some jazz music, and it will play. Yes, I can do that already with my phone. Yes, it can dim the lights. Yes, it can play music, but then I have to fiddle around and get that music sent to a decent quality speaker. Um, if this thing is just going to fill the, the room with a warm sound, with a, with a, a full sound, um, then I'm all for it. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to the opportunity of um, using the HomePod to chill. HomePod and chill. That's the next phrase I think we, we're going to use. Um, so anyway, guys, that's it with my uh, coverage of uh, my reactions to WWDC, WWDC keynote, at least. Like I said, we're going to hear some more in the days to come uh, with the smaller workshops and we'll get some more details about iOS 11 and hopefully we'll get some more details about the, um, the HomePod. 
Um, if you haven't yet subscribed to us, please do so. You can find us on all major podcast directories. Or if you want instructions, go to intersectioncast.com and you will find instructions there on how to subscribe to your chosen platform. Actually, you'll be able to listen to us on the HomePod once that thing becomes available. So yay for that. Um, you um, can also um, follow us on social media if that's your preferred thing. Be alerted to new episodes. If you're a Facebook person, our Facebook page is facebook.com slash intersectioncast. If you're a Twitter person, our Twitter account is at Let's Intersect. If you have any feedback or suggestions for us, any topics you want us to cover, any anything at all, we, we enjoy hearing from you, you can drop us an email. Our email address is feedback at intersectioncast.com. You can also drop us a Skype message. The same email address is our account name, which is feedback at intersectioncast.com. Drop us a Skype voicemail and um, we'll address your uh, question or query on air. So thanks again, guys, for listening to another edition of The Intersection. Um, I deliberately didn't mention the tragic events in London uh, this weekend because I am fed up of giving these terrorists airtime. Um, I'm not going to do so anymore. I think the resilience that the people of London have shown speaks for itself. My thoughts are indeed with those who lost their lives and those affected families and, and friends and people like that. But um, I think the, the, the best thing to do is just, just to carry on. You know, I'm not, I'm not, these atrocities seem to be happening more and more often and I'm not going to give these people airtime any, any, any longer. Um, they don't deserve the publicity. They don't, their names don't even deserve to be mentioned by the media. Um, there was a lot of, um, I noticed on social media, a lot of, um, gestures of goodwill and kindness people offering their their places of uh, for you know accommodation just just to help people out who may have been stranded and people are pulling together and people generally are just sort of carrying on in in, in spite of all of this and in, in defiance or and so I, I think that's just the best way to do it just 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 to carry on as normal so i won't be giving these people any any unnecessary airtime but I'll just say to you guys, just keep safe, stay vigilant, and until the next time, that's a wrap. The Intersection.